1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12 through 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special, special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Spence. Hey, kiddos, you got a little pack uh, with some snacks, and there's a, actually a coloring puzzle in there this morning. That's because we're talking about how we all fit together in what Spencer just read as the body of Christ. So we've been talking about who we are as the church, and we're going to continue to look at this analogy that the Bible gives us of being a body with Christ as a head and all of us put together as his beautiful body. This is a very precise, very robust, very interesting, very beautiful picture that the Bible gives us. It's also really interesting because I think for the most part, all of us here have a complicated relationship with our own body, if I could say it like that. We struggle with this thing often. As human beings, we struggle with our appearance, with our health, with our energy, with our age. We struggle with those things. And I think Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians, I think he sums up in one word kind of our experience with this slab of meat that we're carrying around together. In Romans 8, he says this, We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. Your body, my body, is actually a gift. It's been beautifully designed by God. And Jesus, what this verse is saying is that we who are in Christ, we're following him. We have his spirit inside of us, living, breathing, moving us forward. We are expecting eagerly Jesus to come back and set all of this world right because things ain't right. We could probably all agree on that. And things ain't right with this thing either. Things are breaking down and deteriorating and sagging and all kinds of stuff. 
And Jesus is actually coming back to set all things right, including our bodies. But in the meantime, I think Paul nails it when he says this of our response to our current bodies. Groan. We groan when we look in the mirror. We groan about these bags that are coming underneath our eyes. We groan at the weariness in our backs. We groan when our health fails. We groan when we we try to do something we were able to do 15 years ago, but it just ain't possible now. We groan. It's just this feeling. We have a complicated relationship with our bodies. We can actually become obsessed with our bodies. We can pour all kinds of money and time and energy into trying to maintain and keep up an appearance of something with this body. Or we can just totally abuse our body and neglect it and just be over it and think like it's just a disposable cup or something. We might struggle with our body, but Jesus actually has a healthy body image. Jesus loves his body because Jesus loves his people. And his people now are his body. This analogy shows us kind of our multiple beautiful role as Jesus' body. It displays to us that we're a diverse body. We're a complex kind of body. We have diversity. We have authority in this body. We're a submitted body. We have a head that tells us what to do as a body. We're, we're displaying unity as Christ's body. We're one. We just have one body. There's vitality in this. We're connected vitally to each other. We're better together than we are apart. And there's maturity in this body. Praise God. We're growing up. We're maturing as his body. You don't become a Christian and you're instantly zapped with perfection. That's not what happens. You grow up in Christ. Your body grows and matures. And I believe that Jesus wants us to see this clearer today. I think he actually wants us to live into this analogy more freely and more lightly. Because honestly, it can feel like complicated to be the body of Christ. It can feel intimidating. It can feel heavy. But Jesus promised that if we follow him, if we become one with him, he's going to put a yoke on us. He's going to put something on us that's actually light, not heavy. So if you feel a heaviness already, let's just kick that to the railroad tracks right now. Because Jesus is not intending you to put a bunch of rules and regulations on you. He's actually here today to free us. And there's freedom in this analogy when we give ourselves to this picture that the Bible is giving us. Jesus' body displays diversity. We're very different. But it displays diversity with unity. That's because God himself is diverse but united. God is three beings in one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's a complex being, but he's also one. This is fundamental Christian theology. We serve one God, that's it, but he happens to be three people in one being. And this is the image that the church is designed to portray. Diversity, we're very different, but unity. We are one body. Travis shared last week about the many gifts that God gives to his body. You have abilities, gifts, personalities. You have a specific design. And when you become a Christian, you may think, if you're not a Christian, like, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to be some weird Christian robot because I don't like what I see in some of these people. No, no, no. When you're called into Christ, you're actually 
not called to lose who you are, but embrace fully who you are meant to be. And then you submit all of that to the body as a whole. It's easy to kind of compare ourselves. We just constantly, even though we're not aware of it, you're pulling comps right now. Like how spiritual you were during worship. Like if you brought your Bible or if you're like looking at your Bible on your phone. We just constantly, without even being aware of it, like my shirt's a little snug. You're just a little aware of like that person looks like they work out and could do however many push-ups. We're just constantly doing this. And this is something that should not be. Yeah, if you weren't, you are now. You're very aware of it. Here's the truth. You were designed the way you were designed. And Jesus calls it good. So let's just all embrace that together today. You are who you are. And Jesus has actually called you good. Now this isn't a license to like be a jerk. Just a little side note here. Like some of you are like, well, I just, you know, I just tell it how it is. You know, I just kind of fly off the handles or it's just who I am. This is not a license to be a jerk. This is also not anywhere close to being a license to sin, like go against what God is calling us to do. No, no, no. We, we have a way of following Jesus. Jesus has a very specific way of living. And his way trumps your way. It trumps my way. We are learning a new way. Praise God. We're new creations now. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to continue sinning. You don't have to continue battling out those things. You submit that. That's why we're not just a body who's displaying diversity with unity. We're also displaying submission to authority. We submit our whole lives to Jesus, the head. It's Jesus' authority. Jesus' word. Jesus' body. We're not calling the shots. We're not making it up how we want it to be. Jesus is calling the shots around here as the head. We live in a world right now that is shouting, shouting for unity. But what they're shouting actually is a bit more like uniformity than unity. That's because Jesus has actually designed us. He's assembled his church together to show what diversity and unity look like side by side. You do not have to give up who you are and your story, but you absolutely submit it to the greater story that is in Jesus Christ. This is what diversity with unity looks like, and the world is starving for it. They are There's literally anxiety riddled through our whole nation because we're trying to figure out how do we become one. And there is only one way to become one. It would be really amazing if this just kind of happened naturally. Like you become a Christian and you're BFFs with everybody in here. Like that would be awesome. 2020 also showed us that is now reality. There's a lot of differences. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of heat that's been going on, even within the body of Christ. You have to work at this unity with diversity. You have to work in this submission to authority. It would be awesome if you just stepped into a beautiful, fully harmonious family of Christians. We're a bunch of nutbags that Jesus called by name. We're a bunch of, like, just... ADD children running all over the place, unaware of each other sometimes. 
We have to be intentional about living in this way. Radiant Tulare, we have to be intentional to live in this way. To become this kind of body that displays this Jesus to this community here that we live in. We have to be intentional. And it takes time. And it takes effort. And it takes work. And I want to charge us today with a few intentional moves that we in this family are going to be making to display a true healthy body of Jesus. We're going to have to be intentional with our belief. We're going to have to be intentional with the harmony that exists around here. And we're going to have to be intentional with the fellowship that we have between each other. We have to start with intentional belief Because it's not, again, we're not showcasing unity by looking the same. You don't have to buy the same shirts that I'm buying or say the same things that I'm saying. But we do have to believe the same truth to have unity within the body. There are things that we will divert on. There's things that we will differ on. And it's actually designed to show the brilliance and beauty of Jesus. Your age. Your gender your ethnicity, your social background, all of those things are who you are. And they're supposed to be different because the body of Christ is beautiful in diversity. And it shows his brilliance. All of this could work together because of one man. All of this could actually hum because of one that was over us. Now, there are some things that we display Jesus because we're different, but there are some things that we display the brilliance and beauty of Jesus because we're unified under, and that would be the gospel. That would be our doctrine, our orthodoxy, our beliefs, what we believe is true. Paul gives us a glimpse of just some of these gospel realities. In Ephesians 4, it says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is just a snippet of gospel truth for us. This is what we live into, and we should pursue unity and not diversity when it comes to gospel truth. We stand firm on this together. You can look, you can, you can be different, you can function different, but we don't budge when it comes to the foundational truths of the gospel. So just for instance, there's just one Holy Spirit. This is a gospel truth, and every member of the body is to be filled and refilled with him. There's only one hope of all of this stuff being renewed, including this body here, and it's through Jesus. There is no other hope. These are just some gospel foundations that we don't differ on. There's no diversity in this. There's no other way to slice the pie. And we stand united with this. We have to be intentional to hold fast and hold first to the gospel that unites us. It's the first train car in this line of cars that makes us the body. It is what's pulling us forward is gospel truth. It's not our preferences But the pure gospel, it's not because, like, if you're here because you like the style, you like that, you know, people look the way they do or the music sounds the way that it does, that's only going to get you so far because it will become annoying and it will become a hindrance at some point. We have to hitch our wagon to what is true first and foremost. 
We have to be intentional with our belief, and we have to be intentional with the harmony that exists within those beliefs. We have to choose to unite to each other and stay united. It's a choice to stick in it, and we have to make that choice. And Paul actually teaches us a profound way to do that. It's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's revolutionary to stay united. This is what Paul teaches us. This is what the Holy Spirit instructs us to do in Romans 12. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Or in 1 Corinthians, what Spencer read, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Nobody else is doing this in, in the world right now. Everyone is driven by selfish aim or ambition, but not so in the body of Christ. This goes against all of our human nature. We're competitive, we're insecure, we're envious, we want to be on top. But we are no longer a part of that body. We're a part of the harmonious body of Jesus. And it's essential that we live and operate this way. It's totally different. In fact, this right here, if we were to do this every day, it would actually show Jesus to the world more clearly than the radio station you're listening to in your car right now. If we could actually do this, submit our lives to do this, we have to be intentional with having harmony here. It's like Chris's guitar. There were other instruments here. You have to continually tune those things because they get out of tune. It's the same thing with us here. We all get out of tune. You have grumpy pants days. I've got them too. We've got to retune ourselves to the gospel and intentionally so that we sing well together. We play well together. The, the song of the good news of Jesus can be heard clearly and it doesn't sound like a bunch of clanging cymbals. And we do that also through our intentional fellowship with each other. Now, you, you may have grown up in church or been around Christians for a long time. Fellowship is kind of a very churchy word, but it's more than potlucks and punch. Listen to this. This is what, intention, this is what intentional Christian fellowship is. It's authentic relationship and camaraderie based upon the truth in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say it again, authentic relationship and camaraderie based upon the truth in Jesus Christ. This is what fellowship is. Now, the problem happens when we're really trying to live out, rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn, when we really want to live as a harmonious body. The problem becomes when we don't know each other well enough to know when we're supposed to rejoice with you and when we're supposed to mourn with you. You don't have the kind of relationships with the other people in this tent that you know when you're supposed to do that. So you're laughing when you should be crying or you're crying when you should be laughing. It takes a lot of intentionality and time and resolve to build these kind of relationships with each other. To be a real, functioning, effective, healthy body of Christ, we have to build these kind of relationships. This isn't optional. This isn't like if you're going to be a really intense Christian, you've got to have fellowship like this. If you're going to be a Christ follower, you have to submit to relationships like this. The good, the bad, and the ugly. This is the reality I want us to take away this morning. 
You were actually designed for this. You were designed for community. You were designed to belong. You were designed to be a part of the body of Christ. And you may be an arm. And you may be kind of like flailing and flapping around on this table over here. And you're kind of like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm an arm. I'm pretty sure I'm an arm. But I don't really feel totally like myself these days. And I want to say it could be because you've detached yourself from the rest of the body. And it's time to reattach yourself to find who you really, truly were intended to be. You've been out on your own trying to find yourself or make yourself And the bottom line is this, we will never know our true selves in isolation. You cannot know who you are. You will know yourself to the extent that you are known. Did you hear that? We are, we know ourselves to the extent that we are known. This is why 2020 was such a blow to the body of Christ. Is because we had to be apart. We had to be separated. And when you are apart and when you are separated, a lot of weird question marks start to pop up in your head. Am I really this? Do I really matter? Am I really apart? Is God really this way? Is the world really this way? All of this stuff starts to pop up. And it is vital that we stay connected to each other with this kind of fellowship. You have very unique characteristics about you. Looking at this little little sea of people, You're very unique. But here's the reality is that your true character, what's inside, the unseen parts, it's only forged on the anvil of community. That's where it happens. It doesn't happen by yourself reading some books in a cabin. It happens right here. It happens by offending people and stepping on toes and looking like an idiot in front of folks and them loving you back into a proper place. That's where it happens. That's where you find who you really are. Our world just champions, just loves this kind of individualistic achievement. I did this, I went here, I vacationed there, I achieved this, I've got this degree on my wall. And all of that stuff leaves us slightly empty because we're alone in it. Individualism isn't just like a disease in the world. It sinks into the church. It sinks into the body. That's why the body can get a little pudgy around the middle. It's the same thing with the body of Christ. We can get a little flabby around here because we we get into this individualistic mindset. So you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You did it. I saw it. I heard it. You receive them as that. And that's, we all need a personal relationship with God. But the Bible is extremely clear. It doesn't stop there. You were actually saved into a whole family, into a whole body. Your story is bigger. All of our stories are much bigger than our own story. You better have a a relationship with God on your own. But you're not just saved to be on your own with him. You're saved to be a part of a larger body with him. Bible reading is practice in solidarity. It's a discipline, and you should be reading your Bible, eating the word of God. You should be making a meal out of this thing and living by it and breathing with it. But the Bible was actually written mostly to communities, not to just individuals. Prayer is absolutely, uh, has the symptoms of this Radical individualism because it becomes so private. If I were to ask one of you, just like randomly point to you and say, would you stand up and pray right now? You would poop your pants 
you would be so un- I don't do that. I don't do that. It's a very personal thing. Only he understands because I get whatever. My mouth gets all dry and I don't want to do it. becomes so personal. And here, listen, you absolutely need to communicate with God every day on your own. You absolutely need to be interceding for your family and your friends and your own heart. You need to be in communication with God. But the Bible's very clear that prayer is actually way more communal. When Jesus teaches us to pray, how does he teach us to pray? What's the first thing we say? Our Father. God created us to be in community and for community. You're not just a consumer here. You are a contributor here. You were created to be in it and for it. And our radical individualism is actually a denial of our true identity. You're not a taker. You're a taker and a giver. And you're not just a giver. You need to start taking as well and receiving from people. Without being a part of the body of believers, and I'm not talking about the universal like church of Jesus, like the big body. I'm talking about a local body. Without being a part of a body like this, we will have a shrunken view of ourselves. And then we will begin to develop a self-absorbed view of our purpose and place. It becomes all about you. And we are trying, all of us, to find our place in this world. And some of you who are Christians in the 80s and 90s know of this beautiful song by Michael W. Smith, My Place in This World. And you're chuckling because you know it and it had a touch in your life. And it's great. The rest of you are going to Google it on your way home and you're going to wonder what the heck was everybody doing in the 80s and 90s following Jesus. But it's true. We are wandering around trying to find our place, our fit. And here is the truth I want us to take today. Here it is on a platter. Your truest place is in the body of Christ. You were designed for it. You were created for it. And here is the reality. It's hard. It's been hard for you to be a part of the body. You've actually been hurt by those that you were membered together with. You've been disappointed by them. And actually, you look different than everybody else around you. And you feel like a, you're sticking out like a sore thumb. Nobody dresses like you or talks like you or comes from the same place that you do. And, it, and it's hard. And it's awkward. And I just want to say I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for sticking with it. I'm proud of you for showing up this morning. I'm proud of you for getting over yourself and being here. I'm proud of you for pushing through when it doesn't feel like you belong. I'm proud of you for holding on to it. The gospel truth that you are meant to be in this family, that you are meant and created to be in this body. And for some of you, you're like on the outside looking in, and it's like, I don't, I love, I love Jesus. I don't know about this body thing. I just, I want to say to you this morning, you have to go again. As, as a pastor and as a friend, I am begging you. You have to go again. You must go again. You must connect yourself to a body. It doesn't have to be this one, but you have to develop this kind of fellowship and harmony with some body of believers. We're all a piece of this puzzle like you guys have been drawing on. 
And if you remove yourself from this puzzle box, it will not be complete. It will be missing you. I want to say you're free to work it out here. Puzzles are kind of hard sometimes to figure it out. Anybody do puzzles in 2020? There's like a puzzle revolution that happened in 2020. We're all locked up. I don't know, this puzzle, doing some puzzling. <laughs> it's hard sometimes to figure out where everything goes. And I want to say you're free to work it out here. You know, when you do a puzzle, you open it up, you pour out all the pieces, and what do you do? You just stare at it, and then all of a sudden, like, it all makes sense, and then boom, it's done? No! What do you do? You, well, you, set, you get the edges out first, and you set those apart, and then you just start trying pieces. You start seeing if it fits, and if it doesn't work, you don't throw that away. You know it belongs, and so you put it aside, and it will find its place eventually. This is what it feels like sometimes in the body of Christ. You feel like, I don't belong. Just chuck me out. I don't know. No, you are a part of the image of Christ here in Tulare, California, and you belong here. You can find your fit here. It may take some time. It may be awkward. You may have to go again. You may not like the pieces that you're stuck next to. I don't know, but you belong here, and it's better. It's better. It's better for you to be here. It's better for you to be here than it is for you to be out on your own. Together we make the beautiful image of Christ. So I want to ask you these questions this morning as we, as we kind of wrap up. Would you go again this morning? Maybe this is your first time coming to church in a long time. Would you take another step this morning? Maybe you come to church all the time. Would you just double down and take another step towards being a part of this body? Would you work it out here with us? It's going to take time. It's going to be awkward. Obviously, we're not well put together if you haven't figured that out yet. But what we are building, what the Holy Spirit is doing among us through our fellowship is beautiful. You are a part of the beauty of that. And we need you to step in. Would you do that here?